right, today we are looking at our second symbol in our symbol series, and uh, we're looking at the anchor, and um, I'm going to walk over here to my handy-dandy little anchor here and uh, say this, that if I was going to get a tattoo, and I'm not planning it, but if I was going to get a tattoo, I would probably get a tattoo of an anchor. Now, uh, I just say that if, again, not planning it, all right, just so you know, um, don't have any tattoos, uh, but I know my mom does, and it's interesting Every time I start preaching about something, people are starting to turn those into tattoos. I don't know. I get these pictures sent to me. So I preached on IBTJ, Grandma's Tattoo, and all of a sudden all these people, you know, hey, I got the tattoo. And um, Then I preached on we're builders in, in the previous series and uh, used the Lego. And then somebody sent me this from the Minneapolis campus that they got a Lego tattoo right on their hand. And so, but thankfully it wasn't their only tattoo and they had a sleeve of them. So, and then, you know, of course we did the ichthys, the, the fish last week. And then this guy this week rolls up a sleeve from the Edina campus, like there it is. I'm like, did we inspire that one? He's like, did it before, long before. But so I want to be really careful what I preach on, you know, <laughs> it'd be horrible. Preach on monster trucks and, you know, put it on, I don't know, yeah. I'm just saying that, <laughs> anyways, um, the anchor, this is our anchor and, um, we're using this from Hebrews uh, chapter 6. And if you have your Bibles, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, uh, it's, it talks about this, that we have this hope. We have an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. It's saying we have this hope, an anchor for our soul. And, and so we're using this anchor today to talk about that. We're going to get into hope and not all the way into anchors, but I'll give you the history why the early church had the anchor. And it wasn't always, it wasn't always depicted like this. Sometimes the anchor looked more like a um, grappling hook. And I guess if Again, if I was to do the tattoo, maybe I'd opt for the grappling hook, you know, where you're climbing up. And this is holding the position in the sea, but that's like climbing up the mountain and going up. But um, they would have this anchor and they would want to uh, put it in the catacombs. And they, they would say it's the anchor for our soul. And when they do this and they'd use this in the early church days, um, they were saying like, we are anchored in God. We are anchored in God and, and our hope is in him and our anchor is set in God and it's secure. That's one reason they would use it. And they would also use it as a word play, okay? Because the word anchor um, in the Greek was enkura, okay? And the word enkurio meant in the Lord. So they would use this word enkura, enkurio, okay? And it could actually be like a little secret word. So somebody could say, I am anchored. And people are like, great, he's anchored. But a Christian in the room would be like, ah, he's saying, and he, he's kind of giving me the, the, the tip that he's a Christian. And they'd use different words and, and, and different symbols. You know, remember last week we talked about the fish symbol that they'd drawn. And so the early church had some secret things and some secret words. And for the first 300 years of, of Christianity, the anchor was way more prevalent than the cross. Okay, it was the anchor that people talked about. It was the anchor that they used. And uh, so it's an appropriate symbol. And again, it didn't always look like um, my friend, the anchor. I mean, when I look at this, not to distract you, but I think SpongeBob SquarePants. I mean, just, that's what I think when I see this thing. I'm just saying. So, but if you could get the picture out of your mind of that. And, uh, but I, I just, it was an anchor. It was holding on to something. And uh, again, as much as I love talking about the anchor, I want to talk about hope. 
We have this hope. It's an anchor for our soul. And we're going to look at hope today because the Bible has a lot of scriptures about hope. And um, in Romans 8.24, it says, For in this hope we, are, we were saved. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 13 says, Now these three remain. These are the big three. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. But still, don't, don't miss it. Hope is one of the big three. And it says these things remain. They're, they're very important. 1 John 3, 3 says, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. There's something about having hope in Jesus Christ. And the early church was like, we have this hope. We have this hope. It's an anchor. We are holding on to this. And this means something to us. And we're going to look at hope today. Now, I want to let you know the definition of hope. We talked about this a couple weeks ago in our series. Um, but I'm going I'm to give you this definition, different sermon, but same definition when the world uses hope, they're saying like, I hope he will. I hope it'll come true. It's kind of like a wish. I hope so. But when the believer uses the word hope, we're saying, I know he will. Okay? It's the difference between hope so and no so. Okay? The believer's like, I know it. I know it. My hope is in him. Why? Because I know he's true to his word. He's true to his promises. And I know who I'm hoping in. And so I have hope. And, and what you could really say, if you really want just a concise definition, it would be hope is having a confident expectation. A confident expectation. Again, not like, well, I hope Jesus comes through. It's like, my hope is in Jesus. And I believe he's coming through. I have no doubt. I know so because I know who I'm trusting in. Now, those that don't have hope in Christ are trying to have hope in something. The world's looking for hope. I mean, even a, a well-known atheist said, I shall die in hope. And then he said, but hope needs a foundation. And he was looking his whole life trying to find a foundation to, to hook his hope into. And the world is looking to hook their hope into something. They're like, my hope is in money. But how many know money can be here and gone tomorrow? The world's like, well, I'll, I'll hook my hope into uh, fame. You can be famous one day and not famous the next. I'll hook my hope into success. You can be successful and then you can be a failure. You can say, I'll, I'll hook my hope into intellect, but you can lose it. I mean, people are trying to put their hope into anything, but if they're not hooked into the right thing, it's just going to lead to hopelessness. Because the whole time they're looking, I want hope, I want hope, I want hope, I want hope. And they're looking, they're trying, and if they don't have hope in the right thing, if they don't really have hope in Christ, uh, it's, it's depressing, it's demoralizing, gloom settles in, depression settles in. I mean, even, even if you have hope in Christ, how many know that it seems like this world is trying to steal away your hope? I mean, just turn on the evening news. How many know that it like steals away your hope? I mean, you're, I'm watching the evening news and I'm, I'm seeing all this stuff and we got scandals and Zika and gorillas and bathroom fights and politics. Man, it looks like all hope is lost, you know? I'm watching all this stuff. It's just, it, it's, it's, it's sad. Matter of fact, when we were on sabbatical, when Becca and I were on sabbatical for the 90 days, we watched very little news, very little news at all. And you know what I noticed? Man, my hope was building, you know? And I said to her one day, I said, I believe the news and the weather app were created to steal our joy. 
You say, what about the weather app? I'm telling you, how many times have I woken up in the morning and I look at the weather app, it says rain. I'm like, rain? you got to be kidding me. I planned something outside. And then all of a sudden, it's a beautiful day. And, and finally, I've just decided not to look at that weather app. It is created to steal my joy along with the news. So, But if in the midst of all this bad news, in the midst of all this, the believer who has their hope in Jesus Christ... You'd be tempted to lose hope. You'd be tempted. You're trying to do good. You're trying to live for God. And all of a sudden, all the bad news is coming your way. The world and the pressure and all these things are, are coming against you. And you might start thinking things like this, like, what's the use? What's the use? What can we really do? Is it making any difference? Like this really matters. We might be thinking, let's, let's just hold the line and let's just get to heaven. Sadly, some churches just feel like, hey, let's just hold the line, and, and it's, it's so bad out there, we'll just put our anchor into God and we'll just hold on until he takes us out of here and we'll try to hold the line. And I don't think that's the way that we were ever meant to live. I think we were meant, and in, in, if I could say it, I think the, the anchor is almost both, both ways. I think it's supposed to be like the anchor to hold against the drift of the world, but it's also like the grappling anchor that is supposed to help us get to the next level. We're not supposed to hold the line. We're supposed to keep moving forward. We're supposed to press into all that God has, but you'd be you know, so pressed against us, we start losing hope. I believe we're supposed to be filled with hope. I believe we're supposed to be the, the, the most hope-filled people on the planet. And, and I don't think that we should take a surrender posture. We should take the posture that says, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And we're going to keep taking ground and, and, and you may try to get us to lose position, but we're holding and we're going to advance and we're going to hold and advance and we're going to move forward. Now we have a hope. The Bible says we have a living hope. We have a living hope. And so 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I want to read it in another translation for you because I love the way that it just continues to clarify this. It says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has given us a new birth because of his great mercy. We've been born into a new life that has a confidence which is alive because Jesus Christ has come back to life. Now, I want to just help you to understand this. you got to realize what your hope is anchored to. All right. Now, some of you might think Jesus is the anchor. Jesus is not the anchor. Our hope is anchored in Jesus. Okay. But it's even more than that. Our hope is anchored in Jesus and the fact that he rose from the dead. That the passage I just read, it said, we have this new life and this confidence, which is alive because Jesus has come back to life. So we have hope right now and everything we're believing, we're saying we have a confident expectation in everything we think you're gonna do, God, and everything you promised because if you can come back from the dead, you're, it's real. It's real, okay? And so Jesus is our hope, our confident expectation that if he can come back from the dead, anything we're believing for, we're holding on. We're grabbing ground. We're moving forward. We are anchored in Christ. And again, maybe it was just me, but I was, I was always like, Jesus is my anchor. And he's like, and then I was like, wait a minute, he's not my anchor. Hope, I, hope is like my anchor 
in Jesus, and it's not just in Jesus, it's a resurrected Jesus. It's, it's like rock that is firm and secure, and I have this hope in Jesus Christ. And when I think about this, um, I don't think we talk about the resurrection of Jesus enough. I don't think we think about it enough. I think it's a sad thing that we have put the resurrection of Jesus for Easter, just Easter. It's almost like he's risen, he's risen indeed. Yeah, it's a great day. We sing all the resurrection songs. He's risen. And I'm saying this, that he's risen. And and Easter, if you will, is like the wake-up world call. But every day we ought to wake up with the wake-up call like he's risen, he's risen. My hope is in a risen Savior that conquered death, hell, and the grave. Everything I'm believing today is true. Everything I'm going through, he's going to get me through. My anchor will help me hold. My anchor will help me advance. And I'm going to make it through this day. What do you have for me, Lord? I just think that's the way we ought to live. And I think that it's sad that Easter is just that weekend. It's Easter every day. That'd be good for church attendance, too. Easter every day, every weekend. Uh, Let's be good. (laughs) Uh, we have this hope. That's what it says. We have this hope. It says, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has given us a new birth because of his great mercy. We've been born into a new life that has a confidence which is alive because Jesus Christ has come back to life. I'm telling you what, when you feel depressed, when you feel beat down, when you feel like you're losing, when you feel like you're overwhelmed, when you feel like you're in the struggle, we have this hope in a resurrected Savior. And if he can raise uh, Jesus from the dead, if God the Father can do that with his power, you got to realize your anchor is in resurrection power. Your anchor is in resurrection promises, okay? There's nothing impossible for God. Your anchor is secure, and the world will try to knock you off that hope. But we cannot let them do that. We can't do it. we got to hold on to the hope that God has given to us. Now, no matter how bleak it is, God wins. No matter how bad it gets, we've got to hold on to hope. But this hope does something to us. This hope should change us. Okay? we got to wake up every day fired up like we're living for Jesus. Like, I have this hope in Jesus Christ. I serve a resurrected Savior. He's living. He's right now interceding for me. I can make it. I can do this. But there's more to this. That's part of it. I guess um, maybe that's the hold the line. And if I could, to the advancement forward is a little more with hope. In 1 Peter, um, I'm going to read this in just a moment, but let me set the stage. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 17, um, that's where we're going if you want to turn there, but uh, let me just set the stage. P- 1 Peter, I believe, was written by the Apostle Peter. 1 Peter was written as not a theology book. Okay, track with me. It's not as a theology book. It's written as a survival book, okay? Christians were facing persecution. Christians were facing all sorts of struggles. They were facing all sorts of trials and things that were going on. In chapter one, it says various trials. In chapter three, it says they're being accused as evildoers. In chapter four, it says we're gonna have to endure this fiery ordeal. And Peter's like, hold on. Hold on, you've got your hope in Jesus. You can hold on, you can make it. You've been brought into a living hope. Now live, okay, hold on, all right? And so here's what was going on. Um, Rome had burned. The emperor Nero, he, 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 he loved to build. Nero loved to build. 
And he, was, he thought all of Rome is built up and it's believed by historians that Nero lit Rome on fire, that he actually burnt Rome because he wanted to build. And, the, and, and the, the historians will tell us, not the Bible, but historians of that day will say that he stood on his balcony and kind of sneered and laughed while it was burning because he's like, oh, I get to build it again. Kind of a sick person, okay? And it's even said that when the fire was going out, he was like, no, no, put the fire back on. Like, don't let him put the fire out. Keep it burning, okay? Well, afterwards, people are attacking Nero. They're upset because he burned down the city, and so he needs a scapegoat. And he says, it was the Christians that did it. The Christians did it. And so persecution comes in. Up until this point, it was just seen as like a, a, a little fraction group of, of Judaism. And so they were kind of tolerated. But at this point, Nero's looking for somebody to blame it on because he's burned down Rome. And historians tell us that he blamed the Christians. And the people start turning against the Christians. They start to persecute the Christians. And so, so all of a sudden they're, they're realizing like, my faith is costing me something. Uh, you, you can imagine the pressure to back down from your conviction. You can imagine the pressure to give in. You can imagine the pressure to lose hope. And so Peter's writing this survival manual like, stay on, you've been brought into a living hope. God will help you get through it and you're gonna make it. Okay, that's part of it. But then he says this, he, he transitions out of the hope into changing your life because you're anchored in Christ. So in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's, person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in revenant, reverent fear. And so he's talking about, you know, he's got persecution and he's like, let the anchor hold. Don't drift. Don't walk away from God. But then... Right after he talks about having our hope in God, he's like, like, take ground for God. Use your anchor to take ground for God and move forward in the holy living. You'd think that people that are being persecuted, that wouldn't be something that he'd have to tell them. But I'm gonna tell you this, whenever you're facing trials, whenever you're facing struggles, whenever the world's coming against you, you're gonna start thinking, is it worth it? Should I stay true? Should I hold on? And you're gonna start giving up and so Peter's saying, don't give up, hold the line, but guess what? Advance for Christ and move forward in this. And he's saying, your anchor is secure. And, and if you are serving Jesus and you're serving a risen savior, move forward with your anchor, grab hold of all that God has for you. Keep going. It's going to affect the way you think, the way you live, the way you process, the way you spend your money, what you value, how you view yourself. You're going to move forward in this. And so grab that picture. It's not just for us to, like, okay, God, when the storms come against us, we'll hold on. He's saying, hold on, but take ground. Hold on, but take ground. And in light of this, in light of this fact that we are secure in Christ, a, a resurrected Savior, Peter would tell us, like, we've got we've to advance in holiness, in purity. Matter of fact, I read that verse earlier. John would say the same thing in 1 John 3, 3. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. It's like we're moving forward. We're moving forward because we have hope in Christ and we're moving forward. So here's what's going to happen. If we are anchored in Christ, 
If we are secure in Christ and everything we believe is based on how true he is and how good he is, we're going to make decisions differently because we're anchored in Christ. We are going to make decisions differently because we're anchored. The world says, keep your money, hold on to your money, live in fear, hold, hoard, stay put. But the anchor says, give, be generous, tithe, kingdom build, move forward. And, and you know what? And it's, it's going countercultural to this. And it's saying, I'm going to live different with my money because I, I'm anchored in Christ. And I understand that there's something bigger than this world here. My values aren't based to here. You're going to live different in your purity. And, and, he, and we just read that. You're going to purify yourself. I'm going to tell you this. The world says, uh, who cares about Christianity and living pure and living holy? Right now, it doesn't even feel like we're taking any ground. It feels like we're just barely hanging on. It feels like the anchor of purity is slipping in the church. And we're anchored to Christ. And Christ is pure and holy. And we've got to hold on to purity. And I'm telling you what, holiness is worth it. The message translation of, of the verse that I read from 1 Peter chapter 1, um, it says, don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. Doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. You do now. And Peter's saying, don't go back to the old grooves of evil. Hold the line. Move forward in the purity that God has for you. And I'm here to tell you, purity is still relevant. Purity is still the right thing. In a world that lives immoral, in a world that says don't wait until marriage to have sex, in a world that says go do whatever you want, that's, that's not what God's word says. And God says stay anchored in me. If you, if you understand who you are in me and you're anchored in me and my promises, live pure and live holy. It's the right thing. I'm telling you, without the anchor in Christ, you'll drift back to your old ways. Some of us, again, if you're having a problem with purity, wake up every day and say, I am anchored in Christ. His promises are true. It's real. It's real. And I'm going to hold the line today and I'm going to advance and take new ground. Stuff that I've never done before in purity. I'm going to live pure in Christ. I mean, without that, you just lose hope. I can remember as a teenager, I was like, you know, a bunch of my friends were sleeping around and doing some things. It was just kind of a, a time where all of a sudden all these people, and I was like, is it worth it to live pure? And I went and talked to my mom and dad. I said, is it worth it? I mean, is it really worth it? Some of you are like, you talked to your mom and dad? Oh yeah, I talked to them very open. And I hope that you could talk to your children like that. We talked to our boys like that. But I talked to them and I said, is it worth it? I mean, it seems like all these people are just throwing it away. And they said, it's worth it. It's worth it. You know who you are in Christ. Everything he said is true. His promises are true. It's worth it. His ways are best. Save yourself till marriage. It's the right thing to do. And I can tell you, their confidence, their, their reassuring of me and me understanding that my anchor was in Christ helped me to live pure until I got married. I'm just telling you, it's worth it. And I'm tired of the world like pulling against us. And it feels like the world is going by us 100 miles an hour and be so tempting to let up the anchor and just loosen up our morals and let it go. But I'm telling you what, we're not gonna let go of it. We're gonna stay living pure in Jesus Christ. That's the way we're gonna live. And, I, and sometimes I feel like a fuddy-duddy, like, you know, but I'm just telling you what, I'm not a fuddy-duddy. I am just anchored. The world's moving by, I'm anchored. And you know, the early church was really attracted, attractive to the world because of its morals. Wouldn't it be beautiful if that's what was said about the church today? 
man, we are attracted to the church because of the morals and the stance for purity. Man, they're anchored, and they're anchored in Christ causes them to live differently, and they live pure and holy. Here's our thing. In our conflicts, in our conflicts, and I think there are storms of life that just come against you. You know, there are diseases and struggles and things that happen, and they come against you. That's one thing. And you say, I'm anchored in Christ, and no matter what the world throws at me, you know, through just the things that attack my body and who I am, I'm going to stand true. I'm anchored in Christ, and his promises are true. But there's also another form of trial or conflict that comes against us, and it's, it's, it's almost a cultural attack. It's an attack that says, I can't bl- think, believe that you think that way. And it's like trials, it's mocking, it's shaming, it's, it's, it's an abuse. You may lose out on a promotion, you may lose a job. It's a persecution, if you will. And it's like coming against you. And in those conflicts, man, you need to hold on to God. Everything within you will say, I'm gonna compromise and make the deal. And God says, no, you stay anchored. And even if you lose the deal, you stay anchored. I'm just telling you. You say, well, I'm going to stand up for my faith, and then all of a sudden the pressure gets on, and they're like, do you really believe that? And, and you can just feel yourself drifting, and God says, you stay anchored. You stay anchored in those conflicts, and you don't give in. You stay true. You might lose things that the world values, but you value something different. You stay anchored. And I just think that's the way we ought to live, anchored in Christ. I love what 2 Corinthians 1.10 says, the Apostle Paul says, like, we were pressed on a measure. We didn't know if we were going to survive. And then he says this, but Jesus delivered us from the deadly peril, and he'll deliver us again. On him we set our hope that he'll continue to deliver us. I'm anchored in Christ. I don't care whatever comes my way. I may lose it all, but guess what? I am holding on to Christ. I'm anchored, and I've got the thing that matters. I'm holding on to Jesus. And I don't know what your conflicts are. You may have a conflict at work. You may have a conflict at school. You may have a conflict in your life. Uh, but you've got to hold on. You've got to hold on to that anchor and say, God, I am not going to lose ground. I'm going to advance ground. I'm going to take this and I'm going to move forward because I know where my hope is. One more thing. Our, our hope is in Christ affects the way we do good works and our good efforts. And so I'm talking to a lot of people that are busy doing a lot of great things for the kingdom of God. You are leading life groups and you're leading prayer meetings and you're part of a worship team or you're um, ushering or greeting. And I'm just going to tell you in life, when you're serving, you're feeding the poor, you're doing anything, you're working with inner city church, life center, you're doing whatever. You see what I'm saying? You're out there working. Here's what will happen. The pressure of this world will say, you're not making a difference. Doesn't matter. They'll say, do you see how few people are here? And you hold the line. I can tell you what, when I started our Celebrate Recovery ministry, okay, here I am starting our Celebrate Recovery ministry years ago, and now we have Truly Free and different ministries that have uh, built on that. But I'm telling you, at one point we ran Celebrate Recovery, and I did that. Sometimes there'd be one person that would show up, one person, and, and, and the devil would be yelling at me, give up, let the anchor go. Nobody, it, it won't matter. It doesn't matter. There's just one person here. Little did I know that one person that was showing up he was saying, if Rob's not there, I go back to drinking. If, if Rob's not there, I go back and I'd be there. And I was so discouraged. I was like, hold on, hold on. And don't say, good job, Pastor Rob. Hey, I was ready to let go. I'm just telling you. 
I was ready to let go, but it was the faithfulness to Christ that just kept me holding on. Now, I can tell you right now, that guy's a pastor of an amazing church, and God is doing amazing things. And I think about, you just hold on. You hold on. You just don't know. You don't know when the breakthrough's coming. You know, I think about the song on our CD, Joy is Coming. Joy is Coming. <laughs> there's, there's a struggle, and a, but joy is coming, and I'm holding on. I'm telling you this. You hold on. Don't lose heart in doing good. We have missionaries that come back and they say, oh, it's so good to see all the good that's going on at River Valley and all the different ministries and all the life groups and all the things that are going on because sometimes it gets discouraging in us. We're in a slow conversion culture and you're in like a warm culture right now. God's doing something amazing. Keep doing it because you're encouraging even the people that are far away. When our son Logan, our youngest son Logan came back from Lebanon, he was working with refugees from the ISIS crisis last summer. And, and he came, he, he, he ministered all summer, didn't see any conversions really. And he thought, is it even worth it? Is it even worth it? I mean, all, there and all I'm doing is like refereeing people that hate each other and they're fighting. And then he came back to our church after he had served there. And in one weekend, in one service, he saw like a dozen people give their life to Jesus. And he was like, okay, I got to hold on. Jesus, you're still giving grace. Jesus, you're still working miracles. You're, there's still something going on. And I want to tell you this, don't lose heart in doing good. Don't get discouraged. Your hope is in Christ. He's the anchor. He's the one that's going to give you the well done. Okay? So you hold on to it and you don't lose hope. And Romans 15, 13, I love this verse. I couldn't end without this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's saying the God of hope will fill you with hope so you can overflow with hope. That means you have enough for you, your family, your neighbors, people that are hopeless. You're going to overflow with hope. And I just want to tell you, when you're anchored to Christ and you're taking ground and you're moving forward, you're saying, God, give me hope. Give me more hope. Give me a, a, a steroid injection of hope. That's what the, the message translation says, steroid injection. No, it doesn't. But it should. It would be good. Everything we believe says victory. Jesus' death, his resurrection, his ascension, his promise of his return says victory, victory, victory. I am anchored in victory. I'm anchored in Christ. His promises are true. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to do good. I'm going to go through conflicts and I'm going to make it because I believe the best is yet to come. That's what he's saying at the end. I'm coming towards a reward and Jesus, I'm anchored in him and he's going to deliver everything he promised. I am anchored in Christ and his promises are true. So Lord, I pray we grab hold of that today. We are anchored in you. Your promises are true. Your promises are true. The anchor is hope, but the anchor is secure in Jesus Christ. And we will make it. We will hold ground. We will grab ground. We will move forward. We will fight against the culture. We will love the people around us, but we will not lose ground. We will gain ground in Jesus' name. We are anchored. We are anchored, we are anchored. And I pray that and believe that for everyone here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.